Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. today at Psalm 95. It's one of those psalms when I was in college that really sort of woke me up to the power of using the psalms to worship God, to praise God, to pray, which is what we're doing here in this podcast. Now, we've said before, and it's important to say every now and then again, is that it's really impossible to worship God through the Psalms without using our imagination. God gave us an imagination because that's part of how we perceive reality. Paul calls it the eyes of our heart in Ephesians 1.18. It's with the eyes of our heart that we know certain things that are an unseen, at least right now, an unseen reality. We really can't worship God without using our imagination. When we get to Psalm 95, it is a call for us to to worship God. And it, it, it lets us know that worship is a choice. It's a free choice that we have to make. It's not something that God coerces. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 4, Verses 23 through 24, he says that the time will come when those who worship God will worship him in spirit, in the spirit and in truth. And he says, these are the kinds of worship worshipers the Father seeks, those who worship him in spirit and truth. God seeks worshipers. He's not coercing worship. He's inviting us to worship him. And the reason why the Father seeks worshipers is not because he's egotistical, but because he knows this is how he shares his glory, his beauty, his greatness, his majesty, his love, his, his, his godness is shared when we worship God. Just like when we enjoy anything that we praise, the praising, as C.S. Lewis said in his commentary on the Psalms, it's the praising that's part of the enjoyment and inviting us. And when he says when God commands us to worship him, he's inviting us to enjoy him. And, and that's what we have to understand. God is the most glorious being there is. And to worship him is to experience the most glorious life that there is. It's how God shares his love, shares his glory, shares his beauty. And so when we develop a life of worship, that's kind of the secret to the whole thing. It's the secret to the Christian life. And I, I know, you know, for many of us, we find it hard to maybe even awkward to worship God. We're not we're not used to it. Now we're used to worshiping in some sense other things. We find it very easy to stand and raise our hands at a football game when there's a score or high five at some other sporting event or at a concert or something. We find it really great to ooh and ah at fireworks displays. We have no problem worshiping. It's just the worshiping of God where we find it awkward, which is kind of weird, right? Because there's something going on there that really is keeping us from worshiping the very the very one that will bring life to our lives. It's easier than you think to hit that switch and to worship God, which is why I've always liked Psalm 95, because it just basically is telling us to switch the switch in our head and to, to hit that switch and to choose to worship God. So the first two verses say, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Now that's all capital L-O-R-D. So that's a, let us sing to Yahweh, the I am. Oh, come, let us sing to the I am. Let us make a joyful noise 
to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise. There's that phrase again. To him with songs of praise. Now, this repetition of let us sing, let us make a joyful noise, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, let us make a joyful noise again with songs of praise. That, that word let us is letting us know that worship is a choice. It's something that we choose to do. This is talking about corporate worship. You know, we, we would sing and make a joyful noise as a congregation, which again is one of these verses that tells us how important it is to have being a part of a worshiping community as a regular part of our life. Something big is missing in our life if we're not part of a worshiping community that is singing with musical instruments, making a joyful noise. This is all part of how we live a life of worship to God. This is the kind of worship the Father seeks, the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, because these are the kinds of worshipers that are blessed by his presence and the reality of who he is. So when he says here, the psalmist says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, it's because we're making a, uh, we're praising, the, as he says, the rock of our salvation. When we really understand that God is our salvation, and all that that means, that he has and is rescuing us from what would otherwise be this world of death and dust and thorns and thistles, rescuing us even from his own wrath toward our sin, rescuing us from just the stupidity of our own choices of rejecting the God that created this universe. He has become our salvation. He is the rock of our salvation. He's restoring our lives and restoring this world. And Everything that that means, we really don't have any idea. We just have words right now. We have a little bit of an imagination of what that means. But Paul says that what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of anyone imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, what salvation really is. But the more we understand that God is our salvation, the more we will want to come into his presence with thanksgiving instead of grumbling. Instead of complaining of what we don't have, our hearts will be more and more filled with thanksgiving. But notice the language here. We're coming into the presence of God. Let us come. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. This idea of coming before God requires our imagination. Now, we're not trying to picture God necessarily with our imagination, but we are imagining ourselves coming before the glory of God, coming before the presence of God. Verse 3, for Yahweh, the Lord, the I am, is a great God and a great king above all gods. Now, I don't know what you think of when you read in the Psalms about God being a great God above all gods. There are false gods, but the false gods are really because of spiritual beings that have rebelled against God and they inspire false worship. So there are spiritual beings that are in a sense gods, false gods, but they are not a power of evil that rivals God. God is in control of everything. God is the authority over all the false gods. Verse 4, in his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. So in other words, it's just saying everything 
high and low are in God's hands. He is the authority over all. Verse 5, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. In other words, God owns what he has made, and he has made everything. He is the I am. He is the source of all that exists. He is existence itself. He's the source of all the existence. He's the giver of all life. He owns everything that he made. He is authority, God over everything that exists. Verse six, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Again, we need to hit that switch and we need to tell ourselves to worship. We're going to worship. We're always worshiping something, but we want to worship the true God and we want to worship God in truth. And so come, let us worship and bow down, the psalm says. Let us kneel before Yahweh, before the I am, our maker. Think of the language here, to kneel before our maker, to bow down before the I am. Now, it's, it, 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 there's something very powerful when we do that physically, when we get on our knees and we bow down, like it says Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knelt with his face to the ground. So Jesus did exactly this, and there's a power in our lives when we do it too. We can also do it in our imagination. We can kneel and we can bow and we can have this sense of humility before God, who is the I am, and it says specifically here, he is our maker. Do you think of God that way? As your maker, as your creator, he created you, he made you because he wanted you to exist in his universe and to respond to your maker in a worship, a bowing down, a kneeling before him. Humility, submission, trust. Verse 7, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pastor and the sheep of his hand. All the way through the Bible, the number one covenant promise that God always makes is, I will be their God, and they will be my people. God makes that promise in Jeremiah 31, 33, all the way through the Old Testament. That phrase is repeated. I will be their God and they will be my people. We see it in the very last chapters of the Bible. In Revelation 21, verse 3 and verse 7, God will be their God and they will be his people. The dwelling place of God now is among his people. That this is the promise of God, that he is our God. And everything that that means, he is the one who has committed himself to us, to be our satisfaction, to be not just our maker, but our sustainer, our protector, our provider, our security, our salvation, our savior, the one who restores us, the one who heals us, the one who continually gives us life. He is our God. The forever God is committing himself to be our God forever. And we are his people. We belong to him. He is our dwelling place. We are part of his family forever. Remember, Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. He is our good shepherd. He is our God. He is our maker. And we worship him. We bow before him. We kneel before the I am, our maker, 
For he is our God, and we are his people, and he is our good shepherd, and we are his sheep, the sheep of his hand. So he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is a choice, right? To be told not to harden our heart means that whether or not we allow our heart to harden before God is a choice. It's a choice to worship God. It's a choice to let our heart harden before God. We are in control more than we think of our disposition toward God. We act like somehow we're just sort of victims of our own disposition, but that's not so. The Bible says we choose to worship, and it's a, it's a switch that we can hit in our head, but we choose to worship God, and we also choose to let our heart get hardened toward God. So today it says, if you hear his voice, if God is speaking to you in this psalm, if God's spirit is speaking to you, don't harden your hearts. And then he says, as at Meribah, on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. Now he's talking here, going back to the Old Testament when the Israelites, well, this is actually, he's kind of mixing and matching a couple stories here, but where the Israelites complained they didn't have water, they complained that God was not with them, they wanted to go back to Egypt, it'd be better back in Egypt, and then Moses strikes the rock and water comes out of the rock. But the, the main complaint of the Israelites is told in Exodus chapter 17, and it's interesting because it says here in verse 7 of Exodus 17, and it says that Moses called the name of that place Massa and Meribah because, and that those words mean striving and things like that, because the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested Yahweh, they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's interesting, right? Because they were, they were saying, is God with us or not? And this is this psalm is saying, going back to that and saying, don't harden your heart and do that. The I am is always with you. Don't put God to the test. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, choose to worship because the I am is with you. Don't let your heart get hardened. So this psalmist is quoting God. It says, it's going back to those verses. It says, when your fathers put me, God is speaking now, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, this is, this is the psalmist going back to those stories in Exodus chapter 17, in Numbers chapter 20, Numbers chapter 14. These are all parts of these stories that are being alluded to in these verses. That reminder in the Bible that it really is an issue of whether or not we're letting our heart harden to God or whether we're softening our heart to God, our maker, the I am who is always present with us, we're softening our heart by choosing to worship him, bowing before him, kneeling before him. 
in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews picks up on all this. This verse today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you've read the New Testament, if you've read the book of Hebrews, this all sounds familiar to you because from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, all the way through chapter 4, verse 13, the author of Hebrews is basically talking about these very verses and applying them to our saving faith that, 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 even now, we have this sense that we're in this story a similar way as the Israelites were in Exodus 17 and Numbers 20 and Numbers 14. Now this is our story, and we're at this place where we will either let our heart get hardened before God, or we will choose to trust Him and trust His promises and bow before Him and worship Him in the Spirit and in truth, because He is the God who is above all gods, and He is the one who has made everything. And he is our maker and our God. The forever God is our God forever. And he is our good shepherd and we are his sheep. And he is the one who has become our salvation. And so we can come before him in worship and thanksgiving, or we can let our heart become hardened and not enter his rest. The story is still yet to be told for us. The jury is still out in our faith, the author of Hebrews says. Don't not enter his shalom. Don't not enter his promises of his kingdom by letting your heart become hardened and walking away from him, going astray in your heart. The stakes are really high. And this is why we worship. This is why we want to worship is because we want to enter God's shalom, his peace, his flourishing, his kingdom, uh, his restoration of the earth and our resurrection. We want to worship the true God. We want to give thanks rather than grumble in unbelief. We want to bow. We want to kneel before him. We want to submit to him. We want to trust that he is my good shepherd, that he is my God forever, and not let my heart harden and chase after other gods. I want to hear his voice and not let my heart harden, but let my heart soften and bow before him and submit to him and trust him. And so with this psalm, we pray too. We join this psalm of thousands of years of God's people praying this. And now we join with them and we pray and we come before God, our maker. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. Oh God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. We give thanks to you for your salvation, that you are our salvation. You're the rock of our salvation. You're the security of our restoration. You're the security of our healing, and you are healing us even now. And you have already begun it by the resurrection of Jesus, and you will give us a resurrection of restoration and healing and newness of life and eternity without sin, without corruption, without tears, without sorrow, without suffering. We will be in your restored earth forever. And so we sing, we give praise to you now. We worship you now with thanksgiving for you, Yahweh, the I am, are our great God and you are our great king. You have created everything that there is and you have created me. You are my maker. 
You're my creator, and I bow my head to you now as the one who made me, the one who created me, and I live for you, I exist for you, I exist because of you, I exist through you, I exist for you. You have this purpose for my life that is beyond my imagination and that is forever, and you have committed yourself to be my God forever. The God that created everything is committing himself. You have committed yourself to be my God forever. And so I come before you and I kneel before you and I bow before you and I worship you. The I am, my maker, my God, you are my good shepherd and you always are doing what is good for me. You have my best life in your will. Your will for me is always my best life, always my best future, always the best will for my life. You are the good shepherd. You are the God who created all and you rule over all and you have committed yourself to be my God, my security, my salvation, my good, my belonging, my refuge, my steadfast love, the one who satisfies my soul, the one who gives me life and sustains my life. And today, right now, I hear your voice speaking to me in this psalm, inviting me to worship you in your Holy Spirit and in truth, to worship you with joy and to worship you in your presence with thanksgiving to come before your throne of grace through Jesus and to worship you. I don't want my heart to harden. I don't want my heart to be hardened toward you. I want to hear your voice and be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I want to enter your rest forever, your shalom forever, your flourishing forever on a restored earth in the kingdom of heaven when heaven returns to this earth. And I want to enter your rest. I want to enter your shalom to worship the true God in your Holy Spirit and in truth and to give thanks rather than grumble, to give thanks for your salvation, to give thanks that you are my good shepherd, to give thanks that you are my God forever and to bow before you, to kneel before you, to submit to you, to trust you, to trust that you are my good shepherd, to trust that you are my God, to not let my heart harden, but I want to hear your voice, the voice of your Holy Spirit speaking to me through your word, softening my heart, inviting me to come and to worship you, to experience your glory and your goodness and your steadfast love and your beauty and your majesty and your splendor, to worship you. And I worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.